How to select an enterprise marketing channel with Orrin Greenberg. The Strategic Marketing Show is brought to you by Insights for Professionals, providing access to the latest industry insights from trusted brands, all in a customized, tailored experience. Find out more over at insightsforprofessionals.com. Hey, it's David. How do you know which marketing channel to focus on and what metrics to use and how to track return on investment? That's what we're going to be covering today with a man who's a fractional CMO, a contributor to Forbes, and the founder of Curve, a marketing consultancy that specializes in scaling tech businesses into hypergrowth. A warm welcome to the Strategic Marketing Show, Oren Greenberg. Hey, David. Thanks for having me. Hello, Oren. Well, you can find Oren over at Curve, curve with a K, .co.uk. So, Oren, how do you go about selecting which channel to use for a particular enterprise marketing campaign? I think um, one of the most common mistakes to begin with strategically is actually identifying the target accounts and the target companies. And depending on where those companies live in terms of where they act in online, that's really the most relevant channel. Typically, I'd say majority of, of sales, led motions, um, enterprise SaaS businesses um, tend to go for kind of the most obvious channels, the Google ads, custom audiences and Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads, cold outbound. And those tend to be the ones that we see most frequently. I think there are specific verticals, industry niches and publications where you can run lead gen campaigns and more brand building uh, awareness activities for those accounts. You know, very commonly now is this account-based marketing approach. So really um, orchestrating online, but also offline using, for example, direct mail to reach the right persona in those right accounts and then using software like Demandbase or Sixth Sense, account-based marketing specialized software to measure the funnel and the touch points in a way that's quite different than a typical digital marketing funnel from awareness consideration decision. We're really focused here on account-level engagement. We're trying to acquire those accounts, build awareness for those accounts, and essentially win those accounts and then expand that revenue. So a big part of ABM is, is revenue expansion, not only revenue in terms of um, initial customer acquisition. So you started off by saying that um, you, um, I guess, recommended that for brands to focus on channels where they're active online. Do you mean that um, brands should be initially focusing on optimizing their current activities more than re-evaluating where their target audience resides and looking to target perhaps even new channels uh, where they think that their target audience are interacting on? I guess it depends how mature they are in their current channels and their current activity. You know, if someone's undergoing, we know very commonly will say do an SEO audit, and you'll see that actually the market share is like 3%, 5%. And they're not really, we don't have high top rankings for the most relevant keywords in their niche. So to double down and invest in a new channel when you haven't really capitalized on, on kind of a foundational 
obvious channel that you've already started investing in, that doesn't make sense. And I see a lot of businesses do that. They, they spread themselves too thin and they end up doing lots of channels on average rather than some channels really well. And I think the key for which channels they do really well depends on the competitive advantage of those channels and whether or not the audience is actually actively use, living and using those channels. But typically, I'd say, you know, being on top of Google, if it's paid search, organic search, and need stay high intent terms, I'd say categorically, like 98% of businesses I've worked with is like an obvious low-hanging fruit. And then expanding on on social, I'd say, is the second most obvious key channel that's quite common. I think a lot of businesses do this. They just don't do it very well. They're not really, um, they're just churning out blog content. They're not distributing it effectively. The blog content is not exceptional. Their SEO strategy is, you know, it's like they're doing basic hygiene. And when it comes to um, social as well, they're not really highly engaged in building relationships. They're much more focused on broadcasting their new features or their their thoughts in the industry rather than their relationship um, building mindset. So it's the way that people are actively engaging and, and activating their campaigns rather than bouncing around different channels, hoping for a holy grail. Um, it's very hard in competitive niches to find that uh, shot in the dark. So it sounds like, it sounds like enterprises know the ROI that they're looking to achieve, they know the end goal, but they're probably a little bit fluffy sometimes around um, where customers arrive and what metrics they're tracking along the way to mark the milestones on the way to achieving that end result. So so what metrics do you tend to recommend um, that enterprise marketers track in order to keep an eye on whether or not the customers are going along in the right direction? So they need to really attack, like, attack and think about how engaged those target accounts actually are. And we call these, you know, instead of marketing qualified leads, marketing qualified accounts. And then the opportunity, the pipeline that's been created for those accounts, you know, what are those opportunities in the CRM that have a sales rep, have a meaningful amount of qualification, be that medic or bant or whatever it is that people are using. And then clearly, you know, account one, you know, targets, you know, yes, we, we've got those specific businesses we want to win, we've targeted them, and we've actually acquired them rather than necessarily shooting in multiple directions and not being clear where those accounts are coming from. And they can also track awareness, you know, you can track from display ads to social to what content is being consumed on the site. So really getting an engagement score that's meaningful around an account. You've also got intent signals. Do you try and uh, put some kind of financial value to an engagement score so you know they're X percent on the way to becoming a customer? Yes, but not at the initial stage where it's just awareness. It's quite hard to do that. You, you, it's not that you can't do it. You, just, you need meaningful volume to get statistical significance. Otherwise, it's relatively arbitrary. And it's still meaningful to do that in kind of a, a generic um, number. But as it goes further down the pipeline, when they've started to download the content, you've already got an email address of a persona. You're starting to see what content they're consuming. And you're starting to see how that lead score is increasing over time, how that account is getting engaged over time. Then it becomes more meaningful. And you can start to get predictive power if you have enough volume. 
can start to see the opportunity value. You can start to see the sales qualified opportunity value. You can start to see deal one value, and you can start to get a good estimate, especially if the licensing cost for say SaaS is very like seat based and you know for example on average an organization of this employee count buys this many seats therefore i can quantify the expected roi of that account once they close so you can start to get predictive power but to, to really make it statistically significant you need quite a lot of it which is hard to do in, in, in enterprise it's also very hard when you start Overlaying all the variables, you know, moving pricing, moving features, moving geographies. You have a lots of different moving components, new content that's being created. And then actually trying to identify the most important variables, it starts to get a bit murky. So really, you know, it's not about going hyper-focused and, and trying to really understand an individual piece of content and how it's contributing to sales revenue. I don't think that's meaningful. I think it's important to have a holistic view and understand the general pipeline and a marketing contribution to the pipeline and also a good coordinated attack between marketing and sales and a lot of organizations are working in silos with different um, performance targets and different activities and they're not really effectively aligned and i think aligning those functions you'll get a much better return on your investment on marketing as a result i was interested that you actually referred to the roi of an account um so if you have maybe 100 target accounts um, in an enterprise marketing situation, does this mean that um, enterprises are generally better off uh, focusing on ROI from a target account perspective as opposed to ROI from a particular referring source or marketing channel that, that they're using? No, I don't think you can quite get that granular in terms of the initial funnel like if you set up a custom audience on linkedin you know you kind of you can select custom audiences so for example you have intent data from g2 and you set that up to automatically create a matched audience you can't really see which account level is clicking it unless you're using something like lead feeder or albacross and it tells you by ip that companies come to your website so it's very hard on a on kind of a, a paid social channel or even display to really get that level of granularity it's difficult but once they start engaging, you can you can kind of quantify. You can roughly say, I spent this much money. I know the original source. I know now what the opportunity cost is. If I divide the opportunity value by my total budget deployed on that campaign, I get an estimate that that's like, okay, 15% ROI on that overall. But I, I, I think... I'm not sure it's necessarily the most effective way to think about it either, because even though we, we are trying to optimize, we've got to balance building brands and demand generation, which are very hard to measure with these more quantifiable performance metrics. So I think they're, for me, indicative tools or di directional tools rather than specific tools for optimization. I mean, we do optimize things, for example, on a creative level. Right, or you'll opt like you know things that have a higher click-through rate or a better converting landing page. But when it really starts to go a full funnel journey on an account level, it's very difficult to quantify because those origination of the channels, if it wasn't cold email on the on the search and social, they don't give you that level of granularity or transparency because of the privacy. So you're you're it's very hard to do that accurately, but you can get a good enough indication.
Okay, so let's um, focus on a particular success story. So you're sharing Kite as an example of a successful campaign that you managed. So, so what did Kite do and, and how did you achieve what you managed to achieve? Sure. So Kite was a startup that was acquired by Canon a few years ago. And they were a Shopify app for print-on-demand. So they were intermediary between print-on-demand factories and printers with Shopify stores that were selling to their customers their goods. And um, essentially, we got some pretty impressive results. Uh, about 15,000 customers in a year. We generated a lot of content for them. We built an entire content engine to get them top ranking for print-on-demand in the UK. The overhaul of the whole marketing tech stack and website to create the conversion machine and we delivered over 13 million impressions on Facebook. So a huge volume of, of um, traffic and clicks. We built the engine. We managed to get a really nice conversion rate from organic traffic as well, using the, the a myriad of strategies. Yeah, I see that. Well, one of the things that you did was you increased the qualified lead conversion rate to 17%. So that's quite significant. Um, so, so maybe what were a couple of steps that you did in order to enhance that? Yeah. So fun, funny enough, like a lot of the things, they're not sexy. So the results are sexy, but the um, execution is actually pretty straightforward. So effectively, we had exceptional creative, very good creative team producing really high quality creative and, and videography and, and great assets. And then we personalized the audience segments and the creative. So it's very targeted, very relevant for those specific personas. And we had personalized landing pages. So when the creative matches the audience and matches the landing page, you're maximizing conversion rate. And then we had a cool chatbot, like a drift chatbot that would have a little qualification mechanism. And that would, we just kind of refine that engine. So when you have lots of personas and lots of industries with lots of personalized creative, lots of personalized landing pages with a personalized chatbot, that's effectively how we managed to like iteratively, incrementally increase the conversion rate through different tests. So we do lots of little um, copy tests, a lot of creative testing, and just constantly tweak it until we kind of managed to, to really improve the, the quality of traffic to lead conversion and then that into a sales opportunity. How do you actually personalize a landing page for organic search? Yeah, so you don't do that for organic search. That was all paid social and paid search. So for example, on Google Ads, yeah, someone's typing in um, you know, graphic, like T-shirt, print-on-demand supplier, and, you know, that we can identify through IP using Clearbit what kind of industry that business is from. We personalize the landing page for that industry. So that was one example of how we did it. Uh, so it's uh, some of it was keyword intent, some of it was IP-based, but the match rate on that wasn't always so great, something like 24 25%. So for the rest, it was kind of keyword level. And then for those, we'd try and personalize that on a on a business and industry level based on their IP. This was before COVID, so you had a much better match rate. Understood, okay. And do you also try to personalise ads that people see based upon the search queries that they type in? Yeah, so the the ads were all personalised to intent, so the keywords um, were very tightly related. And then what we would do, the, the main change on the landing page was actually just the header, because it's the most important element on the landing page. So actually just change the H1 on the bottom fold to personalize it to the creative, to the search term. That really boosts conversion rates. I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years. It's the same strategy I've been using 15 years across all the clients and it always performs. Because really marketing is all about personalization fundamentally. It's all about relevance. 
Yeah, love it. Love it. I think that's a wonderful takeaway there. Um, landing pages can personalize the heading based upon the search query, based upon the intent. So when people land in it, they immediately think in those first few seconds, deciding whether or not they're going to continue reading or go off somewhere else. Yes, this page is hyper relevant to me. So great tip. Let's move on from what works now to planning for the future. So in your opinion, what's the biggest marketing trend or challenge for marketers over the coming year? I think these changes with privacy, like how iOS update really messed up Facebook tracking. You can kind of see Apple's revenue from ads increasing and Facebook's revenue decreasing. I think that has created a massive problem for a lot of marketers and a lot of businesses. I think the second category is the proliferation and fragmentation of the tech stack and the integration between different pieces of tech stack is really complex and, and um, that is, is particularly difficult. I'd say the the, the omni-channel orchestration, so trying to target that person who's on multiple channels and having a consistent message for them across different assets, so mobile app and the responsive website, and once they log in and doing that at scale is quite complex and difficult because of privacy, but also because of the, the rules, setting up all these exclusion rules and trying to cater to all these different journeys. And the, the kit, all the kit that does it is quite expensive and complex. So that's another level. So effectively, mass personalization is, is really the key challenge for marketers moving forward. And uh, top talent, I think there's like a shortage of talent. Um, it's been an issue for, it's probably a growing issue. Um, finding really great marketers is very hard and finding um, good ones are economically viable or financially, um, you know, where they, they get the, the business is getting ROI on that investment and that asset is quite difficult. And um, yeah, so just a few of the, the top challenges that I'm seeing as I, I kind of screen and audit and advise different businesses and then build growth engines for them. So, so you mentioned a phrase there at the beginning, fragmentation of tech stack. Um, what trend are you seeing in terms of the tech stack that enterprises are likely to use for their marketing activities? For instance, I see that um, larger organisations are more likely to use something like Salesforce or a minimum number of um, different tech solutions um, to try and um, do everything or as much as possible from one particular solution. And I find that smaller businesses tend to um, use task-specific software or maybe tie everything together with something like Zapier. Are, are you seeing any particular trends in terms of enterprises less likely to use singular pieces of software for multiple activities? Yeah, absolutely. I think they're all going for a Salesforce solution or an Adobe Cloud solution. So enterprises are definitely looking to orchestrate and buy a one-stop shop that has this integration power across all these different areas because of the complexity, the volumes of traffic they get, the different assets they have, the different teams they have. I think it's a nece it's necessary for them to do this. I think small businesses are doing this as well. You know, I think like, the number of times in the last three weeks that HubSpot has been mentioned in every conversation, it's just, and whoever I'm talking to, it's like the go-to. Um, and I think the reason is because it does all these different centralized activities between sales and marketing in one place. And, you know, like if you take the SEO tool, it's nowhere near as good as, say, Ahrefs, right, which is like a dedicated SEO piece of kit. But the fact that it's good enough and integrates so it's easier and, and kind of flows into your content strategy and everything that you're doing on your blog and that ties into the, the website that's powered by HubSpot, etc. 
it just makes a marketer's life easier. So I, I think there is that that um, consolidation is happening for small businesses as well, that fragmentation and the Zapier into integration. And, you know, Zapier is fantastic, but it's actually very limited in a lot of different um, pieces of kit and how much integration API power it goes. It doesn't go deep enough in some, some instances. And then personally, I now try and shy away as much as I can from individualized pieces of kit and integrating them because a lot of things break and the amount of time to, to, you know, it's like engineering resource is really, is, is really short. And, and, you know, sometimes I'm fortunate enough to have engineering resource in the marketing team. And even with that, it's still not, not enough um, brain power, time and energy to maintain the fragmentation. This is too complex. So I, 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 even for me, I'd always opt for a centralized solution now, even if it's not as good, because the cost of something breaking is too expensive. The risk is too high. I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Orrin Greenberg over at curve.co.uk. Orrin, thanks so much for being on the Strategic Marketing Show. Great pleasure. Thanks for having me, David. And thank you for listening. Here at IFP, our goal is simple. To connect you with the most relevant information to help solve your business problems all in one place. Insightsforprofessionals.com.